Um, don't know how you got here. Don't know what your background is. Uh, but the fact that you showed up this morning, we all have something in common. We're looking for more in some area of our life. And we want you just to know this is a safe place where you belong, where you're welcome. We believe that God takes the solitary, the lonely, and he puts them in families. And uh, celebration is that. It's a family where you can come and find strength, wisdom, support for your life. And uh, while we may have a lot of things today that separate us or divide us, we choose to lay those things aside for the one thing that we have in common. We believe in God, and we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. That's where the power is at. And uh, we're just believing today that God can do something that only he can do in the next uh, following moments that maybe can bring answers to questions that you've been wrestling with, you've been struggling with. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. And that's the cool thing about the God that we believe in. We say it often that we don't just believe in a God that wants us to care about him. We believe in a God who cares about you. And so I want to start out a time together. If we could just pray, just kind of open our hearts. Uh, you already showed up today. Maybe you're here and you're a little bit skeptical. You're kind of new to this church thing. Like what's going on today? Just want to encourage you. Open your heart. You're already here. Allow God to do what only he can do. Uh, we can't make anything happen. But when we cling a little bit higher than the storms that we're facing, just the natural reality of what we see um, what we've seen is God has the ability to turn things around would you pray with me this morning God we just thank you for this opportunity we slow down we take a deep breath some of you this morning just maybe stressed out overwhelmed encourage you to take a deep breath God we just we're just in the moment here right now and and we ask for help something more than religion can deliver something more than just routine or ritual can deliver something more than a preacher or a worship band can deliver we ask for heaven's divine intervention power and manifestation in our lives in a way that god only only you can make happen God, that you'd go beyond the words that I articulate and that I speak and that you would just answer questions. You'd turn on light bulbs in our minds that we see things that we've never seen before. That we'd find hope that we've been struggling to find. That you'd bring peace to just, just storms that are in our life that have us so concerned and overwhelmed. We just look to you today. We ask that you guide, um, guide our time together. That you'd help us in Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. Amen. Do you have your coffee this morning? Everybody have their coffee this morning? I was talking to this guy one time, and he's like, man, don't talk to my wife before she's had her coffee. He's like, just like a dinosaur. Like, he's like, Row! like Some of y'all know what that's like. You're married to one of those dinosaurs. Thought they were extinct, but they were in bed with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's look in the book of John. <laughs> look in the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Um, it says this, it says in verse 1, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Um, now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And it's surrounded by five covered, they were basically like, like porches. Verse 3 says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. It was the blind, it was the lame, it was the paralyzed. Uh, in the NIV, verse 4 uh, is missing, but basically talks about how uh, there was this folk folklore that had been going around town that there was an angel. Everybody been talking about this angel that randomly would come down from heaven and stir the water of the sheep pool. And as the legend went, whoever got into the water first, if you were lame or you, would, you were sick and you got into that water, by some miraculous power, you'd be healed. Verse 5, it says this, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years unable to take care of himself. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and, and, and walk. At once the man, the Bible says, was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day, though, on which he took his place was a Sabbath, which according to, to Jewish uh, history and standards, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. And the Bible says the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, Hey, it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat that you're carrying. So the man replies, the man who made me well, he's the one that told me to pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Verse 14, later Jesus found the man at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Now that you are well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Several years ago, uh, my wife's grandmother uh, passed away. And uh, it was a difficult time as as it is for for anybody uh, that goes through uh, an experience where you lose somebody that you care and care about. And many of you kind of remember, like I remember growing up and I'd never really experienced someone close to me passing away, but then when I did, I began to feel those emotions that people would talk, talk about that you really have no frame of reference for until you experience it. And so I remember watching my wife kind of go through this, and it was a difficult time uh, for her family. And uh, my wife's grandmother, she was Catholic, and so when they did the, the funeral ceremony, they did a, a traditional Catholic burial uh, type thing, and so... Uh, that was a new learning experience for me, me and my, my family. We, I think we only had uh, our oldest son at the time. He was only like three or four. And uh, so we go to the, the ceremony at the church. We kind of go through uh, the thing that they take you through, reciting of different scriptures and prayers. And, and then we go out to, to the graveside. Well, the graveside is, is a whole nother experience in and of itself. And and when I'm in these types of settings, I don't, I don't know how, how, how you do, but I'm kind of an observer. So uh, my wife and her family, they're kind of up front, and they have, you know, the casket there, and they're, they're honoring uh, the life of her grandma, and there's a priest there. And uh, I'm kind of just standing off in the back and uh, just kind of watching, observing with some of the other family members, and they're all up there. And I think that day I had had the responsibility of keeping an eye on our son, and uh, for whatever reason, I didn't do, like, the very best job. And so... <laughs> the priest is presenting the crucifix to the family. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's like a figurine type thing. It has Jesus, you know, on, on a cross. And, and what the priest does is he pre- presents this to the family as a way of, of you know, kind of honoring and remembering, you know, what Jesus did and this whole kind of thing. And so he's, he's presenting the crucifix to the family. All of a sudden, I don't see my son anywhere. Uh, but I turn and he's, he's making, he's running, he's running like full force. Imagine like a small little three-year-old, four-year-old, just like, like you've seen like memes, like on Instagram, like this is my son. He's just running full speed ahead. I'm like, where is he going? Like, what is he doing? Like, what's the worst thing that he could do? And the priest is over here with my, my wife and her mom and dad and brother. And they're all crying. They're having a moment, like remembering their grandmother. And here comes my son. He comes running. I'm thinking he's running straight from, for, for his mom. And instead he runs right up to the priest and he snatches the crucifix out of the preacher's hand, out of the priest's hand. I'm standing there watching. And to make things worse, he goes, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And he starts flying around, flying around the crucifix. My wife looks back at me like, what the heck? Like, you're supposed to. I'm like, dude, that's funny. I don't care who you are. Like, that's hilarious. I wish I had my video camera. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Could you imagine? So disrespectful, right? Oh, God. So disrespectful. But <laughs> it was funny. 
But, but, but really, I mean, it, it wasn't his fault. He's three, four years old, right? He, he didn't understand what the crucifix symbolized. He didn't understand the purpose of the object. And because he didn't understand the purpose of the object, he didn't treat it the way he probably should have treated it. Life is like this. We have lots of different things in life that if we don't really understand their purpose, if we don't really understand why they're here, if we don't really understand the context in which they're supposed to be used, you end up going through life thinking that you know what something is for, thinking that you know the relevance, the, 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 uh, how, how relevant or, or, or the purpose of something in your, in your life. You think that you know, but you a lot of times realize, man, I don't really know because I find out as life goes on that the things that I thought were for one thing a lot of times aren't for that thing. I think that the Bible a lot of times is one of these things that, that is this object that we hear about, that we talk about. If we're really honest, we really don't fully get it. Uh, somebody told us that this is the inspired word of God and that we should live our lives by it. And, and we subscribe to these beliefs. But, but a lot of times, most people that show up into these spaces, most of you maybe even watching online, you don't really, really understand the context of the book or the relevance of the book, how it pertains to my life. And because of that, I think a lot of times we don't know really how to respond to this object. We, 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 we treat it like a Buzz Lightyear object when a lot of times it's something that's a whole lot more than that. You, you hear people all the time. I mean, this isn't, I mean, like you ever stop and think about it. You hear people get up, preachers get up all the time. And it's like the Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts. And yet when you open it up, what do you find? It's in there, do, do's, do's and don'ts, right? Like it's like, it's, 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 it's actually in there. So then how, how do I, if, if God is a loving God and it's mercy and grace and God is for me and it doesn't matter what I do, then why would I open the Bible? Does it tell me a bunch of stuff to do? This can a lot of times be very confusing if I don't understand the context of the book. So the Bible is a story, first and foremost, okay? And it's, it's not like any other book, but in some ways it is. In other words, it has a, a full message that it's trying to communicate. You've got to read it from beginning to end and understand everything that, it's, everything that it's saying is ultimately leading you to live your life through a lens, okay? So like any book would, would, would do this. If it's a book about politics, there's going to be a lot of different things that happen to communicate an overall message. Well, the Bible's the same thing. There's an overall message. Here's the overall message that God loves you so much. That's, that's the bottom line overall message of the Bible. Okay. So that, that's the message. But then within the book, there's certain contextual things that he's trying to communicate to you to get you to understand why this story matters. The story matters because as humanity, we're broken. We have things in our life that keep us from God. So God's intention is twofold, okay? So here's the purpose of the book. He wants to teach us how to connect back to God, and then he wants to teach us how God wants to connect back with humanity. How does he do this? Most of us are familiar with the overall message of Christianity, which is the message of Jesus, that humanity was broken, lost in sin. God didn't want it to stay that way, so that he sent his son. You're familiar with the scripture. He sent his son to die on the cross, to go to the grave, to come back from the grave, to defeat death, so that when we believe in Jesus, Jesus, God no longer sees us based upon our behaviors, how good we are or how bad we are, but he sees us through the lens, through the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus. When he looks at us, he doesn't see us for our history. He doesn't see us for our mistakes. He doesn't see us for all of our bad decisions. He sees us through the perfection of Jesus Christ. You are love no matter what. This is the message of Christianity, right? That no matter what, you, here's what I'm saying. No matter what you do or don't do from this book, it doesn't determine if God loves you more or less. Okay. So, so the Bible says that sin, the power of sin has been defeated. 
done a, the things that would stand in your way uh, between you and God because of your behaviors. Jesus obliterated that stuff. He, he took it away. At the same time, he still has stuff that you should do in order to what? In order for not just you to connect with God, but for God to connect back with you. What am I saying? We've been talking about how God wants you to live a distinct life. God wants you to be a city on a hill. God wants you to be the salt and the light of the earth. But if that's going to happen, there's certain things that you're going to have to do in your life to get those things to activate. It has nothing to do with God loving you. It has everything to do with how good your life is going to be on this earth. It's hard. It's difficult because our mind is hardwired psychologically to make sense of things. So, so, so most people, even though you know that what I do or what I don't do doesn't interfere with my relationship with God, it's easy to revert back to that based upon what you know. What am I talking about? I read a scripture about something I should do or shouldn't do, and immediately my mind wants to make sense of what might happen if I don't do that. So it reverts back to what? It reverts back to childhood. It reverts back to my first experiences with obedience or disobedience. And most of us, you have learned that you had a mom or you had a dad or you had somebody in your life that was the standard keeper that said, here's, here's an acceptable way of leave, living. Here are unacceptable ways of living. And you found out very quickly when you did what the people that you love wanted you to do. You were brought in closer. You were loved. You were accepted. You were admonished for those things. When you didn't do the things that the people that you loved and respected wanted you to do, what happened? You were disciplined. You were chastised. You were, you were put out. You were rejected. So if you do not consciously in your mind renew your mind to know that God loves me no matter what, I'll have the wrong motivator in doing the things that God wants me to do. What is the problem with this? I always lived then looking over my shoulder. Is that sin? Am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? The whole message of Christianity is God wanted to remove that whole sin consciousness burden so that you could what? So that you could truly live. So you could be empowered to make decisions, not because it was going to damage your relationship with God, but so that God could empower you to live the life that he created you to live so that you could be a city on a hill. God loves you no matter what, but man, your life can sure suck. If you don't do the things that he put in place for you to do, why? These are principles that, 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 that have a way to supersede just, just natural reality. And this is, in essence, what we've been talking about. Living beyond just natural reality. Most of us in this room, we're, we're, we're all broken. This is what we have in common with this man in the story. This man has a condition. And the bottom line is, every single person in this room, we have a condition. And this conversation this morning is going to be, I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm going to push you to own right where you're at, to, to realize that, man, you may have been walking with God in your life now for 40, 50 years. You may have been a Christian who kind of has a lot under your belt as it pertains to understanding, man, the principles of Christianity. Regardless of where you find yourself, you still have a condition. What is a condition? I have things in my life that I wish were different. Does anybody in this room have anything in your life that you wish was different. Meaning, meaning I have, I have things in my relationships that they're a little bit frustrating. I wish that they were different. I have a kid that maybe is living just rogue lifestyle. Man, I didn't raise him to be, I, I have something that I wish was different. My job really isn't my favorite job and I've kind of been stuck here and I fell into this line of work and I don't know how long I, I have something in my life that I wish was different. What am I talking about? I have, I have a condition. This man has a condition. The text says that he's had it for, for, for nearly four decades and he hears this story about how there's this 
angel that comes down and stirs these pools by the sheep gate. And when he stirs these pools by the sheep gate, whoever gets into the water first, there's the hope that maybe they could experience a miracle. Could you imagine what this would have been like the first time the man hears the story? His friends come up to him. Hey, like, we know that you've been struggling with this condition for a long. Have you heard about like the place where the angel comes down and he, and he stirs? What are, you, what are you talking about? The place where the angel comes down and, and, and he stirs the water. And, and if, they stir, if he stirs the water and you get to be the dude, think about it. Like what if you, what if somehow, some way you could be the first guy in the water? Like what if how, somehow, some way, like I'm telling you, I've heard the stories. Like God, God can somehow turn it around. And hey, may, maybe you're not the first one, but there's five porches by these pools and, and you can hang out. You can maybe catch some, some shade, get, get away out, out from the sun. And, 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 and you, we, we experience the same scenario in life. You heard about that one church. I heard about this church and I've experienced myself and lives have been turned around. It's a big church. You may not meet everybody right at first, but man, if you could just kind of get around and kind of get, get involved and, 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 and may, maybe somehow, some way God can see you in the midst of your condition and turn life around. I can imagine this man shows up at the gate, shows up at this, at this, at this, at these pools. And those first couple days, he's probably really, really excited, gets on the side of the pool and, and he's watching for the water to be stirred. And I can see, I can picture in my mind, like him seeing a ripple and just diving right in. Like, was that it? And he comes up, he's like, not healed. He's like, must not have been it. Like, must not have been the angel getting back out and, and looking again and the water stirs and no, this is for sure. And then he jumps in, but then he sees somebody else. Well, I didn't get healed. So maybe somebody else must have, must have, must have beat me in before me. And, and all of a sudden, as time goes on, what happens? There comes people that are more eager than him. He starts getting pushed to the back. And this man who comes to the pool for the right reasons, just looking for God to make his life better, just looking for God to make his life distinct, just looking for God to give him hope in the midst of his condition. All this man who used to be on the front line, somehow in the midst of the journey, the text shows us that he finds himself a mat. What, what am I talking about? A, 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 a mat. I'm going to be here a while, so I might as well get me something to make me comfortable. We, we all have conditions, but in our journey, we all pick up mats. What am I talking about? Things that help me find comfort in the midst of my condition. We all have these things. What, what, what is, your, is your mat? What is the thing that you turn to when the journey kind of gets tough, when the journey kind of gets hard? And I'm not here just to, to point fingers at what all of you are probably thinking. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about substance abuse. I'm not talking about that because I think some of us have 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 mats that are far more dangerous because nobody else can see that you have them. I think some of us find comfort in knowledge. I think some of us find comfort in education, things that we know. And when we know things, we feel, I think some, I think there's a lot of us probably in this room because I've done it, that our mat is religion. Because I go to church and I show up Sunday morning and because my personality is geared towards black and white and it's easy for me to dot my I's and cross my T's, I all of a sudden start feeling safe. How do I know? Here's the thing about comfort. Comfort isn't bad until it becomes your crutch. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like God made trees for you to find shade. Comfort isn't bad until it becomes your crutch. What are signs that I know that it's become my crutch? Uh, it, it becomes my crutch when I become comfortable. In, in other words, when the mat becomes my place of safety. I didn't, I didn't come to this pool to be comfortable. I didn't show up to this church to play it safe. I needed to turn around in my marriage. I needed to turn around in my finances. I've been dealing with an ailment for 30 years. I didn't, I didn't show up to this pool because somebody told me that life was going to be easy. But somehow in the journey, when it doesn't happen like I thought it would happen, and it's not popping like popcorn the way the preacher said it would pop like popcorn, I begin to look for things that, that are going to keep me comfortable. And if you're not careful, comfort will become your crutch, and you'll find yourself finding safety in things that you shouldn't be safe in. 
what am, what am I talking about? I, I, I didn't show up to be comfortable, but that mat looks pretty good over there. Comfort becomes your crutch when you're comfortable. Com- comfort becomes your crutch when that comfort becomes consistent. What am I? T- it's, it's always there for me. <laughs> what, what is that? What is that thing? Is it your knowledge? Is it your intellect? Is it religion? Is it the fact that I? Is it? Do, do I use prayer as almost this this cover up, and I, I act like things are really moving forward, but really it's just my spiritual security blanket. You see, you see, comfort becomes a crutch when it becomes consistent in my life when I'm standing out by the pool and rather than keep believing God, rather than keep trusting God, rather than, rather than keep serving when I don't feel like it and keep showing up to church when I don't feel like it and keep loving when I don't feel like it and keep doing unto others when I don't feel like it. When, when, when I'm standing on the front lines and I look back and, and that mat, that mat is always there. It's, it's, it's consistent. It's there for it when I need it. People aren't always there, but my, my place of comfort, you know that comfort becomes your crutch when it becomes consistent. But not just when it becomes consistent, when it starts to compensate. What am I talking about? When I start to get something from it. You ever found yourself in this position? Where, I mean, I didn't show up. I, didn't, I showed up to get healed. But you know what? Life isn't so bad over here by this sheep's pool. I mean, it's, it's, I could spend my whole, I could spend my whole day just standing out here in the sun waiting for the angel to stir the water. But if I go lay over there on that mat, maybe somebody will give me a little bit of money because I'm poor and I'm a beggar and maybe they'll feel bad for me. Sometimes in life we find comfort in our condition and we allow it to become our identity. And because people praise us and give us, man, give us encouragement and we feel like we matter. Sometimes I'd rather choose my mat than live out on the side of the pool in the place of obscurity, still trusting God when it seems like nobody doesn't see me. What, what am I talking? When comfort, comfort becomes your crutch, it becomes the enemy to your miracle. It becomes the enemy to the life that you're after, actually after. It becomes the enemy to you actually living a distinct life. Comfort isn't bad, but is it becoming your crutch? You see, because the effects of it becoming your crutch are really, really dangerous. Why? When it becomes my crutch, here's the first thing that happens. I become desensitized. What, what, Jesus shows up to this man who has his mat. He picks him out of the crowd. Why? Why? First of all, it's funny. Jesus picks this. He doesn't pick somebody who's eager on the edge. He says he sees this man who's been there. He's, he's dealt with an ailment for over 38 years. And he picks this, this random guy. And he tells, as this random guy, he says, hey, you've been sick for a long time. And he asks this man, do you even, do you even want to be made well? And it's like, gee, if I'm, I'm like, Jesus, why are you, this is like a very simple question. You're asking a sick person, do they want to be healed? And yet the way that the man responds, he doesn't even answer the question right. Do you want to be made well? I have nobody to carry me to the pool. And even when I try to crawl, somebody gets there before me. It's like, Jesus, why are you answering this question? Why are you asking this question to this man like this? And man, why are you answering this question like this? Because when you allow comfort to become your crutch, you become desensitized. You don't even really know what you want anymore. You ever found yourself there? Do, do you, do, what, what am I saying? Do you want to be made well? Do you still want your marriage to be better? Or have you just learned to cope with what will be will be? Do, do, you, do you really believe that God can turn around your financial situation? Or now is it just all about budgeting and being smart and building my clout? Like, like what am I talking about? My, my mat. I don't know if he can do it, so I better, I, better, I better find myself a mat to make myself comfortable. Because if heaven's not going to come through, maybe I need to hustle, hustle, hustle a little, a little bit more. I, I become desensitized. What do I, I don't, I don't, I have felt everything. And because I have felt everything, I feel nothing anymore. 
What am I talking? I've been betrayed so many times. You know what? I just put up my walls and if you betray me, whatever, I don't even feel it anymore. You think that's a good thing? You think that's the tender heart that the Lord wants you to have before him? No, what am I, what am I saying? Desensitize. The, the reason that I become desensitized is not a good thing. It's not because I've been up, built, built up calluses because I've been, that, this is, this is not a good thing. God wants us to come before him with a tender heart, which means what? If I allow comfort to become my crutch, I end up just like this man desensitized. I don't really know what I want anymore. Because I don't feel anything anymore. I show up and I serve, but I don't serve like I served the first time I served. I was so pumped the first time that they thought I was going to have an opportunity to invest in people who had invested in me. This is going to be a game changer. But now I've been here a few years and, and nobody even says thank you anymore. Isn't it interesting the way humanity works? We tend to despise the things we start to serve. We're at Starbucks yesterday, me and my wife. The person who's working there. I used to love all these things and these pastry things. But now that I work here, I can't stand any of these things and these pastry things. We, we start to despise the thing that we serve. This is why you got to remember what brought you to the dance. You got to remember what brought you to the table. You got to remember the hope and the exhilaration of, of maybe, just maybe God can do something if I give him my hands. But when I start relying on the mat, I become desensitized. Things that used to move me don't move me. I could sit in a worship service like this morning. I, and I just, it's just, it's just karaoke. Why? Because somehow, some way, comfort has this tendency of creeping into our hearts and becoming our crutch. We become comfortable in our condition. It makes us desensitized, but not just desensitized. It causes us to decline. What am I talking about? Even things you used to be capable of, you're no longer capable of those things anymore. It's funny, this situation, it never really tells us if this man can walk or can't walk. It, it says he's an invalid, meaning he can't take care of himself. But does he have capacity to, to move his legs or does he not? We don't know that this man can't walk, but because he's stuck to his mat, we don't know that he can. In other words, in life, when you become comfortable, when your comfort becomes your crutch, even things that you are capable of, you become incapable of. What am, what am I talking? I don't have the, I just don't have the energy anymore. I used to have the energy. And what am I talking? So how, how do I connect these dots? The, the com sometimes the comfort is your knowledge. And you think, well, I'm 50, 60 years old. I don't have the energy that all these young bucks have. And a lot of times the knowledge blanket keeps me from actually being the person that I need to be. And so I start to decline earlier than I should decline. You ever seen somebody that retires and then they do nothing? And then you see how you're like, man, what happened to you? And you're like, not really understanding what's great. And their health kind of starts to deter deteriorate. Why? Because when, you, when, when comfort becomes your crush, it becomes everything that you're after. Even things that you are capable of, you start to become incapable of. This happens to people all the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the passion. I'm not just the person that I once was. And it's like, dude, you're only 45 or 50 years old. You may like our president. You may hate him. But dude's like in his 70s. And he's got a lot of go. You know what I mean? Like he's got a lot of... So, so at some point, I got to cast away my mat. I got to cast away my place of comfort. I can't allow comfort to become my crutch because it won't just make me desensitized it will cause me to decline it, it'll cause me to decline it'll cause me to give up things that I shouldn't have to give up because of a timeline and a timetable that has been prescribed and subscribed to by humanity what am I saying? I, I, there, there's, you, you should, the Bible says that in our faith, we should be, be go, going from level to level, glory to glory, faith to faith, platform to platform. He wants your light to get brighter and brighter. But when, I, when comfort becomes my crutch, I start to decline. I start to, so I become desensitized. I start to decline. 
And here's the last thing that happens. This is the last thing that happens. I, my, my vision gets distorted. I start seeing things just off. I start, th- here's, here's what this man thinks. He thinks that he's, he's at a pool waiting for God to perform a miracle. In Christianity, we do the same thing. We, we show up and we say things like, and this is what I'm saying, just a little bit off. I'm just trusting. And, I, and I'm believing God that he's going to come through. And Jesus is good. And I'm so thankful Jesus is my Savior. But God, will you please heal my marriage? And then your marriage doesn't get healed. I said, what's going on? I'm just still believing God. I'm still trusting God. I'm still trusting God that there's going to be a turnaround in my finances. Are, are, are you, so you're trusting God. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just trusting him. I'm just trusting him. I'm just like, in my heart, I'm, trust, I'm trusting him. I'm, what are you, what are you, yeah, but what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm just crying out to him. I'm, I'm okay. So, so are you trusting God or, or, or are you really waiting and wishing? Are, are, are you trusting God or really, are you just coping and hoping, right? Like, are you really just sitting by the pool thinking, I hope an angel comes down and stirs the water. I hope God sees me and calls my name. I hope somehow, some way he has mercy on me and turns my marriage around, but I really don't have any guarantee. So I might as well just stay comfortable on my mat. When comfort becomes your crutch, you get distorted and you miss out on what is available to you. And this is the message that Jesus has come to bring to humanity. This is the message that Jesus comes to bring to this man. He comes to this man and he says, do you really want to be made well? It's like, Jesus, why, why are you asking this man this question? But the thing about Jesus is usually when he's asking the question, he's not asking for the listener. He's asking, if you dig through the recesses of scripture, the Bible will say things like he understood the thoughts and the intents of the person that he was talking to. So he asked him a question about what they were already thinking about. Do you even want to be made well? Because that's the question you're asking yourself, isn't it? <laughs> I don't even really, I don't even really know anymore, to be honest with you. I, I was believing for a big time miracle that God was going to do something dramatic, but you know what? I, it, he may not do it. So I don't really know what I want anymore. And if Jesus is establishing this fact, you can decide whether you want it or you don't want it. But there's got to be more than just what you want. Because at the end of you determining what you want, you got to do something. What? I, I, got, I, got, I got to do something? Yeah. I, I know you really don't know what you want, but can, would you get up, would you roll up your mat, and would you get to walking? Because at the end of you figuring out what you want or what you don't want, you're still going to have to be moved to action so that I can be loved? No! So that you can live. I'm talking about really live. I'm talking about a life better than you've ever dreamed. I'm talking about Jesus coming down to earth to turn your life around. Not so that God will love you more so that you could actually see distinction come into play in your life. At the end of the day, I'm going to have to do something. I'm, what am I saying? I'm going ha- to have to make a move. I'm going to have to do what he says to do. Hear me, is it to be loved? Reprogram your mind. It's not to be loved. It's so that I can live. It's acknowledging that God's way is the best way. It's this whole thing. Like, here's a picture. If I, like, got a brand new car and you didn't have any type of vehicle, you've been driving a bicycle, and I give you a brand new car. I said, dude, I was even riding a bike. I'm about to change your life. Okay? I bought you a car. You don't gotta pay for it, nothing. Here's the keys. Get in the car. Enjoy the car. And you say, oh my God. Oh. You just changed my life. You're telling me I get to have air conditioner. You're telling me I don't have to pedal. My legs aren't gonna be tired. You're telling me you're gonna change my life by giving me this car. And what do I have to do for it? Nothing. Just take it and put the key in the ignition and drive. 
This is too good to be true. So you get in the car and you start just touching the car, looking at the car. Oh my God, we got a car. You start moving the steering wheel and then this would be the picture. You start thinking, I wish this thing would just drive. I wish I could get this thing to work. Kind of got, and you gave me an awesome gift, but how, I mean, I just needed, I needed to drive. I need this car, I need this car to work. It's a great car, but, but I need to work. Would you please make this car work? And so you can't get the car to work. So then you start sleeping in the car and you start hanging around the car and you start washing the car and petting the car. And you're like, man, I wish at the end of the day, why isn't the car working? Because you're not doing anything with the key. This, this is where the Bible talks about, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. What is this? These are the, the list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's, these are keys. If, 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 you, if you want the car to work, you gotta, you got to do something. you you got to start the car. So, so what, is, what is the picture? If I, if I really want my marriage to thrive, I can't just say, please, please, don't you see what I'm going through? Can't just say, please don't you see the tears that I cried? Don't you see? I have the, what I have the, the, so much mistreatment. At some point, you got to do what he says as it pertains to your marriage. Like, I can, would you please turn my finances around? God, I'm living paycheck to paycheck my whole life. It's been 50, 60 years, and I'm still, would you please? I know you're a miracle worker. I know you can do it. Here we are again. We don't have the money. But, but if you don't trust him with your money, so, so you want, you want it, we want to, well, I don't want to tithe. I don't want to give offerings. I, I, I want to hold on to what I have. Okay. Then, then you have a car, but you're just not, you're not turning, you're not turning the key. Does it have anything to do with God loving you? No. Has nothing to do with God loving you, but don't act like you're praying when you're just waiting and wishing. Don't act like you're really believing God. If you're not going to take the car, and put it in the ignition. And you know why, you know why I hate this? You know why I hate, I was going to say why you hate this, but I'll just make, why, why I hate this because there's something down in me, in my ego that still believes somehow, some way that my way could be better. That's, that's no, like, no, let me just be vulnerable. The reason why I struggle with doing what God tells me to do in treating people certain ways that they should be treated. The reason that I struggle is because in my own egotistical mind, I still am holding on to this sliver that, no, I think that I got this. And yet my life continues. And here's, here's the struggle. The, the, whoa, I am, I, humanity is tactical. We are about tactical things. In other words, I want to know what is, the, what is the mission? How am I going to get my finances? How am I going to get my chips in order? How am I going to fix my marriage? I'm tactical. Let's go on a mission. But God doesn't operate on being tactical. God operates on trust two different things. So it becomes this inward war, right? God, I'm tactical. God is built on trust. So when I read some, God says, I want your finances to flourish, right? You've heard people say this. I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And we get excited. It's like, yeah, you, you, wait, you want to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on me so much that I can't even receive it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But you, 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 you want to give, you want to give back to me. Good measure, press down, shake it together and running over. Okay. Right? So, so God tells me he wants to do these things. I said, okay, God, do them. And he says, okay, trust me with 10% of your income. <laughs> what? What? Why? Because I'm tactical and he's built on trust. So what am I saying? That's not tactical, dude. You said you want to give to me. How are you going to take from me? 
But for God, it's not, it's not about tactical. It's about, it's about, it's about trust. It's about, I'm not taking, I'm needing, if you'll, if you'll trust me, I'll make sure that I open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you, what, what am I saying? You, you want, you want strong, intimate relationships. Yeah, I do. I I want relationships. I want strong, intimate relationships. And this is what he says. Well, then don't be intimate with everybody. Only, only be intimate within the context of covenant. Excuse me. You said that you wanted to give me strong, intimate relationships. I do. Well, that doesn't seem very tactical. I'm not tactical. I'm built on, it's about trust. You, You hear what I'm saying this morning? And a lot of times we struggle and we wrestle because it's also counterintuitive. At the end of the day, I have to decide what I want. But deciding what I want isn't good enough. I'm going to have to move past that. And if I don't want my marriage and my life and my finances and my world to get better, if I don't want to be a city on a hill, then my decisions will continue to reflect that. Better find yourself a good man. But but if I if I want it to get better, if I want it to turn around, if I make a decision, I do. Then I got to trust God that these do's and don'ts that are in here that I can't ignore. It has nothing. He's gonna. If I do it, he's gonna love me. If I don't do it, he still loves you. That's the incredible thing about God. I'm not doing it. I love you anyway, baby. But your life's gonna suck. You're just waiting and wishing. You're hoping and coping. Everything that we say about your life can get better. No, it really can't. You get what I'm saying? It could, because you, you got to make a decision. You get it. You got to put the key in the car. You got the car. We all got the car. You get a car and you get a car and you get a car, right? Like we all have the car, but you got to put, you got to put the key into the ignition. He says, pick up the mat and walk. The man picks up the mat and he walks. He does what God says and it works. <laughs> it's like this whole message that Jesus is saying is, hey, it pays to do things God's way. This is really what he's saying. This is really the crux of the message. It pays to do things God's way. He's not going to love you or hate you if you don't. But it, it pays in this life. God is fascinated with getting heaven to earth. Meaning he doesn't want you just to struggle until you get to heaven. He wants your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, take that good stuff that's happening up there and get it working down here. This is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to do. So, so it pays to trust God. What's crazy is not the end of the story. So he picks up his mat and he's walking and here comes these Jewish leaders and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? Mind you, they probably seen that if he's 38 years, they probably seen him around the pool. I think it's so fascinating. This is how religious people are. This is how people that really you should be able to trust are. They don't mention any like, oh my God, dude, you, you, you're healed. Like you're walking. And so why, instead it's about why are you carrying that mat? Right? So don't be surprised when your life starts turning around and the people around you that you should be able to trust, they don't celebrate you. They said they point fingers of everything that you're, you're not. That's just how it works. So that's just a little, little side note. It's, why are you carrying the mat? It's the Sabbath. He's like, well, the dude that told me, that just told me that made my life better. He told me to take my mat and to walk. That's what, I, that's what I'm doing. He doesn't even know who Jesus is because Jesus snuck off into the crowd as Jesus does. So the guy walks around away from the, from the Jewish synagogue leaders and Jesus comes back and says, hey, <laughs> they're giving you a hard time, huh? Yeah. He says, well, well, you're healed. You're better. And then he says this. Don't go back to your life of sin because something worse may happen. What, what, okay, something worse may happen. I thought Jesus, Jesus like did away with this. So what are, what are we talking about? What's the context? Don't go back to my life of sin or something worse may happen. You, you're, you're, you're being mocked for the life that you've chosen in me, right? Yeah. Well, don't go back to your life of sin or something. What can be worse than being mocked for something you believed in? Being mocked for something you don't believe in. What, what am I talking about? <laughs> Jesus is not just saying that it pays to 
trust God. You know what he's saying? It pays either way. What, what am I saying? You're, you're already paying. You're already paying the price of the decisions that you're making. And you can live an average broken life. And you know what? You're going to pay the price of that. You, you can live a life. You know, people are not going to like you anyway. They're going to sit around and look at that poor little beggar. Can't get up on his feet. Can't take care of himself. All these people want is just my, You're going to be mocked for something that you, your life doesn't have to be like this. And people are going to harass you anyway. Or you can choose to trust God. And you know what? They may harass you and they may not like it. But at least you're standing for something that you believe in. It pays either way. It pays either way. And some of you today, you you got to see that you're paying. Some of, some of you are... I, this is strong, but I got to say it. So some of you are, you're, you're paying today for things that you didn't pay for yesterday. So because you didn't pay to trust God and parent the way that you should have parented, you're reaping in areas where you're like, my kids, my kids, my kids. This is so crazy. Yeah, but you're, you're paying now when you could have paid years ago. You get what I'm saying? That's so strong. But what I'm saying is, is you're going to pay either way. Either you're going to pay in trusting God and experience the discomfort of maybe not fitting in with everybody, or you're going to pay with anxiety and depression and feeling overwhelmed and not being able to sleep at night because I feel so much guilt and I'm so burdened. I don't know how, what you, you pay, either way. you're already paying. You pay, everybody pays. Everybody pays. Everybody, everybody pays. Everybody pays. And you don't, and the thing about it is a lot of times you don't pay in the way that you think that you'll pay. And, and, and so you, you miss out on it. And here's the danger. The people in this room that you're down and out and you're desperate, you're in such a good place because you can actually see that you need God. You know who it's most dangerous for in this place? The people who are stuck on their mat. <laughs> because you think that everything's good and you're going to settle for a view that's on the side of a sheep's pool when God has riches in store for you. What am I, what am I saying? Wouldn't it be horrible for you to settle for a mat by a sheep's pool when God had a palace for you to live in, but you never knew it because you thought, well, this is good enough. This is all there is. The most devastating people in the, the, the devil, the biggest devastation in this room is not the people that are really far from God and they're going to start making decisions to trust God. It's the people that have been close to him and have been chasing things for years and have learned to become comfortable because you'll never press for the thing that he's called you to be because you're good get with the mat. What comfort has become my crutch? The bottom line is this, and I, I, it's the illumination of this. Hear me. You pay either way. God loves you either way. God loves you either way. Live, live a city on a hill life or don't. Man, he loves you so much. He loves you so, so much. It doesn't change the message that we preach, but your life is going to struggle. <laughs> your life's going to struggle. These do's and don'ts, are not just do's and don'ts so that God will love me and accept me like my parents did or my parents didn't. This is like my guide. This is like, hey, you want to kill your marriage? Remember, it's not tactical. It's built on trust. It's a different system. But I hope that you see today. Here's my point. I hope you see today. You're, you're paying either way. I'm paying either way. I don't have all of this right. I struggle to trust God just like you do. I read things in the Bible and I think, ah, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I do. I think, are you sure? That sounds pretty crazy. Must be Old Testament, right? <laughs> That's the things that we said. <laughs> That's Old Covenant, sir. Um, <laughs> the things as us Christians do to to cope, right? To find comfort. But with God, it's it's not. I don't think it's about making sure I'm dotting every I and crossing every T. It's about a, it's with God. It's about a position of your heart, right? It's about a motive. Sometimes He doesn't want everything. Sometimes He just wants your mat. 
Sometimes he just wants that thing that you're holding on to for comfort. And I think I've learned with God, this is where we, this is where the grace of God comes in, the empowerment of God. I don't have to get everything right, but when he shows me, okay, I'll take that step. You know, I'm not going to be guilted into things because the preacher said so, but God, if you'll show me, if you'll put it before me and say, Hey, I need you to start trusting me here. I, I will, I will, ta- sir, I will take that step. And what you find is when you do that, then there's the empowerment, the grace of God that we talk about. That is more than just forgiveness of sins. It's an empowerment to be able to trust him in areas that it's difficult. It pays to trust God, but really it pays either way. Pays either way. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for this place where we could come and cling to principles that are higher than just human intellect. They're not teaching this, this stuff on TV. So God, we're thankful for a space where we could maybe just expand our mind and our reasoning a little bit to say, okay, maybe, maybe there's more to the Bible than we thought. Maybe there's more to religion than we've thought. God, I ask that everything that has been communicated that really needs to be anchored in our hearts, that it would be anchored in our hearts. God, the things that don't need to be anchored that are not for today, that those things will float away. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what only you can do this week in bringing things to our remembrance. God, that we wouldn't fight you almost like you're against us. Like it's this war of your way or my way and you're against us. But we would see that you are the greatest coach in the world that loves us unconditionally, whether we do it or we don't. But you're trying to help us be the light of the world. You're trying to help us be a city on a hill. You're trying to help us be the salt of the earth. You're trying to help us to stand out. You're trying to help us to be distinct. That it would really be a season of distinction for us. But help us to see that we got to start the car that you have so graciously graciously given to us. Right where you're at, just take a second. Be out of here in just a second. But can you just take a second, just open your heart before God, internally let go for maybe like 20 seconds. And maybe the Holy Spirit can just kind of bring peace to whatever you're feeling right here in this room, right here in this place. Just between you and God. God, we just open our hearts to you. We internally let go. Maybe if you're new here, you're new to just that deep breath saying, okay, that was a lot. Help me to process this, God. God, would you help us today? God, would you help us today? Would you help us today, Holy Spirit?
spoken to you today and you want to make some decisions, say, I want to trust him more. Would you just stand to your feet right where you're at and maybe just worship God just in this moment? Hey, I want to trust him more. I've been trusting him good enough, man. I've made some moves, but I want to take this to the next level. I don't want to settle just for a life by the pool. I don't want to be let, I don't want to be average. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to just be another fish in the sea. I want to be everything that he's made me to be. Come on, right where you're at, just between you and God, will you just look to him? God, I just look to you. I want to trust you more. I want to do better. I want to do better so that I can have more of your work and empowerment in my life. I will build my life yes, upon your love. Yes, it is a firm foundation that I about the decisions that you made, right? Because this is, guilt comes from like a sin consciousness to feel bad. You should feel, you should, you should feel convicted. Convicted is different. You should feel, it's an empowerment. It's an excitement. Oh my gosh. You kidding me? I get to put the key in the car now? I, now I see it. Now I see something that I didn't see. So it's a different ball game now. So what am I saying? Some of you that you're feeling like this heaviness, that's not God. That's, that's your misunderstanding of scripture again. That's your mind still thinking that he's judging you based on what you're doing. He loves you. No, it's, it, he loves you. He, he loves you. He wants to give you a big fat hug. It's, 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 it's not that it's, you should feel And What should I be feeling right now? Nick, I should be feeling so pumped up, so freaking excited and empowered. Cause I got my key to my car today. I get to go home and I start, I get to start trusting him a whole lot more. I get to start doing things, not out of necessity, not cause I have to, but man, my dude just gave me a key. He, he just gave me an ability. I see it. I see it differently now. Is the are there do's and don'ts in the Bible? Yeah, but they're not to get him to love me. That those that's my guide. Those are my secrets. Those are my secrets to, to one up everybody else. Those are my secrets to get an edge, to be the light of the world, a city on a hill, distinct, 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 distinct. You hear me today? God, would you help us to see it right, to see it clearly? God, we just thank you, and I ask that this, this seed, so to speak, that's gone for it, that falls on good ground of our heart, that we don't reject it because of our own pride and because of our own ego. God, I speak, I speak for me. I can't speak for everybody else. But God, I embrace this word. The word of God that penetrates my heart, that sometimes it's like, ah, ah, it's a little uncomfortable, but I embrace it. I say, yes, sir. I say, yes, God, I, I want a killer life. So I'm not going to sit around begging you to give me one when you already have. You already given me everything that I need to have that killer life. So let, let me not be distorted. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.